Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. Get in the know. Non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. You like that? All right, before we dive into a jam-packed episode of Purple Daily with our friend Courtney Cronin from ESPN.com, a quick shout-out to Federated Mutual Insurance Company. Federated's been helping business owners for over 100 years in the state of Minnesota. And if you are a business owner during this pandemic period, you're probably going through a lot of uncertainty. Um, And hopefully your business is still open, which can't be said about all businesses right now. So. Um, just go to federatedinsurance.com to find the full list of industries they protect and to find out more information about resources and people that you can talk to within the company. Federated Mutual Insurance Company, where it's our business to protect yours. You like that? You like that? And welcome in Purple Daily, Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgat, Declan Goff producing, and Courtney Cronin from ESPN.com. And Courtney... Uh, I think before we get into like the Dalvin Cook stuff that you've been reporting on this week and Kirk Cousins wanting to be more like Michael Vick, as he said, let's get a Mr. Mankato update here. Cam Dantzler okay. has been intercepting, it seems like, every other pass on the videos. Now, Vikings.com probably isn't sending out the videos where he's getting torched. I'm just seeing the propaganda videos. But Cam Dantzler yeah. seems to be doing very well at camp. So how no, he... He is, and he's definitely what Zim called a pleasant surprise. Like, this is a the only knock that they had on him was the 40 time at the combine. And then he runs the pro day 40 yard dash, and it was kind of like, did you speed this up? Like, what happened? Um, so there's only the only thing was like a question about his speed. And I think that they really, really liked him, and he probably would have been a higher pick had it not been for that 40. Um, He's been getting good reps with the ones. Um, he's picked off Kirk Cousins twice now, which typically you don't see teams highlight your quarterback, your franchise quarterback. <laughs> you don't, you don't see that happen uh, by a rookie, uh, you know, rookie cornerback. But you know, Adam Thielen sung his praises to Mike Zimmer the other day. Um, Have they considered you know, just blurring out Kirk Cousins on those highlights of Cam Dantzler? Just like a black box over the quarterback so you can't see. Yeah, like floating with him. Sure, why not? <laughs> Kurt um, might have suggested it. <laughs> you know, it's. Uh, I think it's a good sign, though. Like, all jokes aside, just with the way this cornerback group is is taking shape, we're not projecting them to win the Super Bowl right now, as I know everybody looks good at this point of preseason and at this point of camp. But the fact is, 
the corners seem to be further along than we probably would have anticipated just for a very young group and trying to figure out where everybody goes. I mean, with Dancer getting some really quality one reps, like it makes you think that both he and Holton Hill are going to battle for one of those spots because right now it's, you know, Mike Hughes is with the ones when they're outside. I mean, he's, he's with the ones, period. But like Jeff Gladney has been playing a lot of nickel. Um, they've been splitting kind of Gladney and Hughes in the nickel with the ones, which, you know, is Mike Hughes going to start outside? Are you going to potentially have Jeff Gladney play nickel? Like, what does that mean for Holton Hill and Cameron Dantzler? Well, I think that that's the battle for one of those final outsides for the other outside spot. Um, and Dantzler's held his own. I mean, right now he certainly has a lead on just about everybody else for the Mr. Mankato pick. Um, mine was, who was mine? Uh, Kenny Willikies. And he's, uh, you know, he's somebody who is with a second team defense right now. Um, Jalen Holmes is taking over for Daniil Hunter for the time being because he has a tweak. So uh, that's, um, you know, that he's the ones. And then I take a look at, um, you know, Kenny Willikies, and he's got some good reps in uh, playing left defensive end with the twos. So for me, I think that that's, you know, I'm still holding out hope that my pick will be one that transpires. Uh, who else did we have? Not expires. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> who else did we have in this group? I'm trying to remember. Declan, who, who did you pick? Declan had a lineman. Drew Samia. Drew Samia. Nasty Drew Samia. Yeah, not so much. Um, <laughs> Sorry, Dex. I mean, well, because we got to camp when we projected this last week, last Friday, we got to camp and then we saw that Samia's running with the twos at right guard, that Pat Elfline had indeed moved over to right guard and that you know, the left guard competition was between Avion Collins and Dakota Dozier. Now Dozier is away with that job and, you know, it's Friday. So they should essentially have that set over the weekend. I asked Gary Kubiak because Mike Zimmer had this idea that three practices in, they would know. Um, and it appears they're getting really close, but I don't know what to me. I mean, to me, to me, looks like a backup right now, but I just don't think you can guarantee, guarantee anything with Elfline given the fact that, this is his third move since he got here in 2017, and it's really now or never for him. So, I mean, to me, it could end up being a good pick, but for right now, I mean, it's kind of hard to tell with those backup offensive linemen when we're so focused on figuring out who the starting five is. Oh, there's so much good stuff here. All right, I'm going to start with this one, Courtney Cronin. Uh, back to the cornerbacks and Gladney. What is the concern or the slow roll that they're going to do with Gladney coming off the meniscus surgery, mm-hmm. which was post uh, combine pre-draft, but meniscuses are tricky because you know I don't think that we th- think of them as ACLs, MCLs, but they can take some time to bounce back from. What do we think yeah. his his progression is coming off that? Because he didn't practice last Friday, and clearly they're being careful, which is the smart play. Yeah, he he. I think they said he went. He kind of overdid it one of those first few days, which it's something you never want to hear with somebody who had surgery five or six months before then. But he's been playing. I mean, they haven't really held him back. I mean, they said they want to ease him in, but like the last five days that we've been out there since you know the consecutive practices from last Sunday, he's been a part of every single one of them. Um, so I think that. You know, you just have to be careful with something like that. And Mike Zimmer was talking about just like where he's at right now. And that typically, you know, it's not a normal off season. So he's not rehabbing in Minnesota. Um, So like sometimes the rehab process is slowed down, but I think they have him in a good spot to where they can monitor it right now. And they're not, you know, they're going to monitor overuse and making sure he's okay. Um, But they'd like what they have in him. I mean, I think that the amount of first team nickel reps that he's gotten is a clear indication that that could be, a spot that he fills in at um, pretty pretty soon. Um, I know a lot of a lot of teams draft boards had him as like, the number one money player, uh, which is that you know the money position. A lot of money, people call it star. 
Um, it's kind of the interchangeable defensive back that a lot of college uh, programs end up using. And that's why, you know, for, for why the, you could ex- uh, expect or project him to play nickel, you know, it's either now or it's, it's down the line. I mean, that is going to be his position in the NFL. Uh, just in general, what have these practices been like compared to a normal training camp practice? Has, I mean, aside from the media being like seven football fields away with binoculars, like not Cronin, she's close. The rest of us good, long ways good. away. But like, what what are the are the practices themselves any different than what they would be in a normal year? Um, I will say, like, I mean, yesterday when you we were out there, they were out of pads. I think they'll be back in pads on Friday, but um, I don't think they're as intense of practices at least not yet that we've seen because they're worried about, you know, there's still this ramp up period. Like these guys hadn't done any football work in the months of April, May, and June um, and, and none really in July until they got on the field for walkthroughs. But um, I think we'll start to see it have more of a training camp type feel once they do Sunday's practice, which Mike Zimmer said he wants to incorporate about a half, um, excuse me, a quarter of a scrimmage. And then the next Sunday would be about a half um, just to try to get these guys some quasi live reps in a way, because they're not tackling to the ground. They have this thing called a thud period, which is like basically the fundamentals of tackling. I knew, I knew Judd would like that one. Live thud. Um, live thud is one of my favorite. Um, <laughs> just to be able to like wrap up and learn. Like, I mean, it's interesting because we talked to Marwan Malouf, the special teams coordinator, just about. How do you get guys who have never tackled before to want to do it to play special teams? Because so many of these wide receivers, that might be their only route to the, uh, you know, to the rosters playing special teams. And it's a fundamental period, like watching guys from like the very, learn the very basics or, you know, execute the basics, trying to make this team however they can. And that's something that I feel like we just maybe weren't aware of, or like, just don't, don't talk about all that much during like a regular training camp that goes on for six weeks, because you do see some live tackling. None of it is like, you know, super aggressive to the point where they're trying to hurt each other, but you know, they're trying to be careful with it now because it's such a condensed period. They've got about three weeks now before that first game against the Packers. Um, so I think it kind of has that feel of like being really cautious, but also realizing that you've got to cut guys loose here soon, um, to get more of a feel of like what your team's going to look like come September 13th. So I'm trying as we go through practices here, uh, Courtney Cronin to look for things that are particularly uh, tied in to COVID camp. So things that are being affected, things that are, are potentially, uh, not good. And Phil, if you'd be so kind as to sound the alarm, I think I found one that worries me if I'm the Vikings. You brought this up, and it's being talked about and written about like it's normal, but it's definitely not. This need and rush, which I get, but again, it's COVID camp, uh, to set the offensive line like three practices yeah. in, mm-hmm. like which is totally not, you know, ordinarily it would be, hey, we saw these guys in OTAs, mini camps, right? Like all of these things. Yeah. Now we, now to your point, we are literally talking about, hey, three or four practices, let's set that line. How much of an impact do you think that this has? And do you think that the thinking is, okay, we want to set the line to get the, um, to get the orchestration and coordination of the line as quickly as possible, but we have to be very open to the fact this might not work. And by like week six, we might have to be like, Pat Helfline really can't play still or something like that. Yeah. Think about 2017. Um, they tried so many different combinations that the starting five that they had for that game against the Saints, the season opener, those that was the first time those guys had ever lined up next to each other in that order. Um, 
they had the luxury of time every other year, but now, and I remember thinking this the whole time that you're not going to be able to test your rookies out or any of your like second year players or anybody that you want to give a chance to. Um, sure. You can cross train guys at different positions if they're with like the twos and the threes, but your ones, you got to get your vets up to speed and get them ready to go. I mean, the offensive line has been a weak link for this team for a couple of years now. Um, so I think it's kind of like, let's mitigate, like pick the, the least of all evils and put that together with the offensive line. Mm-hmm. So like the least difficult thing to do would be to have two guard spots up for that open competition that Spielman talked about in April. So, you know, Pat Elfline can play right guard. You're not ready to give up on him yet. Go ahead and move him to right guard. See if it fits. If it doesn't fit by week six, then Drew Samir or Ezra Cleveland will potentially fill in that spot. That's my thinking. Um, and then you, you, you're done with that experiment, but you just don't have the the luxury to be able to like, screw around with the offensive line and figure it out. Like you've got to get something set. And it's kind of like, all right, this is not something that would ever happen in any normal year. And I asked him about that. Just like, you know, it's this condensed period where you're like, let's set the, let's just get it together and let's work with what we have and make what we have really, you know, good if we can do that, or at least decent enough to where it's not going to be a problem. That's why they're trying to, I wouldn't say rush it. It's just like dealing within like the, t- the confines of the time period that they have right now. Yeah. All right, let's let's talk about Dalvin Cook here. You've been you've been reporting on this throughout the week and well, just throughout the entire time. Yeah. So, I'll give you my take. You know, J- J- Judd and I are pretty much on the same page with this, but I will never rip, especially a running back, but I will never rip an NFL player for wanting to make as much money as they possibly can and get that life changing contract as their ACL ticks down or as you know, you know, one hit could really end your earnings possibility for your career and your career might be over when you're 25 or 26. And so I, in general, never have a problem when players try to leverage a moment to try and get more money. That being said, I don't think the Vikings can blink here. And I, and, and we don't know exactly what the particulars are. If it's a $9 million a year offer on the table and Dalvin wants 13, like, and maybe you can mm-hmm. shed some light on this, but I'm in a position where I can't rip Dalvin if he decides to draw a line in the sand and try and leverage whatever leverage he has, which is not much. But I also can't rip the Vikings for saying the salary cap might come down. We've got a really good backup yeah. running back and you've only been healthy for like one kind of one season. And so Dalvin, like we just can't give you what you want. So what's the latest from what you're hearing, Courtney? Well, the latest is it's it's pretty much at the stalemate where the offer that's on the table is not going to change. From my understanding, the Vikings do not want to negotiate anymore. They've been doing this for a couple months now, um, and it's not been successful. Um, so from their side, they've drawn the line in their sand of saying, take it or leave it. Um, it's from my understanding, it's, it's a deal that, you know, it's a multi-year deal. So upwards of five years, which, you know, if you're a running back, that's not necessarily something you want to do because you're signing your career away to the same team. Um, if you're thinking he's 20, you know, 25 years old, um, 20, 25 or 26, whatever, like mid mid twenties, that's the rest of your career essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one thing, but you know, from what I was told and, and, and what I've heard, it would make him in that caliber of elite, running back running backs who are paid in an elite manner so a top five paid running back that's what you should be aiming for if you're dalvin cook like not anything you know you have to realize here like like the things that you pointed out with the salary caps going down i don't want to hear what anybody else has stated. there's not going to be fans in these games like and even if there is it's going to impact the overall revenue stream that's brought in with the nfl which is split among all 32 teams the cap is going down by what percentage we don't know but it's not going up sure as hell it's not going up so that's one thing you have to factor in. Number two, Vikings didn't draft Alexander Madison to be a backup. 
they've drafted him with the potential for him to nest to, you know, depending on what happened with Alvin to fill in that role. Eventually um, they love Alvin cook. They really do. I know that there's no deal done right now, but they, they love that guy and they want him here and he is their offense, but you have to look at other factors and real look at the whole picture here. Cause I know that there are some people who are going to think, well, Kirk cousins took up all this, you know, cap space, you know, and, and cooks the one who won him the game and got him to that place in, in new Orleans and, and, you know, got him to a place where they were able to make the playoffs to begin with. Of course, there's no denying that Dalvin cook got Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman contract extensions. Like, you know, played a very big part of that. He's a running back in 2020 who has not been able to play a fully healthy season. I think we just have to like cut through the BS and look at the facts because those are things that line up. Um, And that's why I think, you know, his representation and the Vikings are not on the same page here because the things that I just laid out for you, they're not seeing eye to eye on. Hmm. Um, and when we talk about, you know, reasonable deal, that's the word that Dalvin uses, the word his agent has used. Um, what is reasonable? Vikings, what the Vikings think is reasonable is clearly not what Dalvin's side thinks is reasonable. And that's why we're at the stalemate. Okay. I'm very, very confused here. I get what you said. I'm just confused. Um, <laughs> does the, thanks Rick. Does the cook camp, is your feeling that the cook camp wants more money or less term, and and I guess the most important question, and I'm going to remove Dalvin from this because he's not negotiating himself. Yeah. Um, do they realize that there that there are words that if you string them together are no leverage? Do they realize that they have none? Like there is nothing that they can do. Like they're either going to take this, or they're going to be franchised, or they're going to be gone. I it's fine, um, but. What do they want? What will make them say yes when it's very, very clear that they have zero negotiating power um, other than to say my client's really good and he's been a good guy? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think it's I don't know at this point, because the offers that have been out there, from my understanding, the one that was bestowed in June was sweetened up a little bit here and there. The signing bonus is bigger than Derrick Henry's and the years are more than Derrick Henry's deal. Should Cook be in the Derrick Henry camp, like of, you know, that range of money? Absolutely. 100%. He's one of the best running backs in the NFL. He's explosive. He is the reason that the Vikings made the playoffs last year. But, like, I don't know how much more this team, you can't, like, squeeze more blood out of this turn up. It's not going to happen. The deal is on the table. And yeah, like, the talks have been tabled. It's not like the Vikings pulled their offer, but they wanted to know by Wednesday. Tuesday night, everything broke down, and they were like, you know what? We got other fires that we need to try to like handle right now. We're not going to be negotiating in a back and forth. Um, we want you to be on this team. It would be hell. It'd be cheaper to franchise them like next year. If the yes. franchise tag was like just over 10 this year, it'd probably be like somewhere under 11 next year. So it would be cheaper to franchise him and let him play that out. But, you know, it's also a very crowded running back class in 2021. Like the free agent market is going to be saturated with running backs. Like, you know, I anticipate the Saints will get something done with Alvin Kamara. I anticipate, you know, more running backs, you know, uh, help me here, Joe Mixon. I mean, he's he's also in that group. Leonard Fournette. I mean, like, Dalvin would certainly be at the top of that group, but it's still a very heavy group. So if you don't sign right now, like, and you take a look at kind of like where you stand at the end of the year versus the rest of this group, um, and all the touches that will be on your body, probably 350 plus by the time the 2020 season is over, that's more wear and tear on you without having a new deal. Um, he shouldn't, I, I, you know, if I'm him, I'm not playing on this $1.3 million final year contract. I would take the offer because 
I just know the wear and tear I'd be putting on my body as a running back is going to decrease my value, whatever percentage for, for next year. I mean, that just is what it is as a running back. I mean, they are, their bodies are battering rams and every year costs you money if you don't already have that next deal. Yeah, this is, man, there's so many layers to this. And it's, I, I think if you, both sides are going to have a better feel for what the contract should be after this year, which is, which is the, the, the tough part. Because you know, from the Vikings' perspective, they're sitting here wondering two main things, and we've sort of touched on these. What will the salary cap be? Because we still have to figure out. As of right now, the Vikings don't even have guards. Like they're literally just like running <laughs> yeah. guys in. Like they're still trying to fix their offensive line. They only have one reliable defensive lineman right now, and so they've got all these important trench positions to fill. And they might need free agency money to to have. They might have to use free agency money to fix those things. So the Vikings yeah. need to know what's the salary cap going to be. And can Dalvin Cook play like 15 healthy games again? Because it's it's hard to justify paying him. Now, I bring up this uh, this comparison sometimes. This is before you came in and covered the Vikings. But uh, when Flip Saunders ran the Timberwolves front office like five or six years ago, Nikola Pekovic was one of the top inside scoring big men in the NBA. He was like an 18, 20 points per game guy, but he had bad feet and he couldn't play every game. And so Nikola Pekovic for like 55 or 60 games for three or four years was one of the best interior scorers in the NBA, and his agent went to Flip Saunders and said, my client deserves a max contract. If Rudy Gay is going to get a max contract, my guy is going to get a max contract. And Flip Saunders said, absolutely, totally agree. Your guy is a max guy, prorated for 55 games. And so like th- that was the argument. And if you're the Vikings, like that's your argument right now. Dalvin, you're totally a, you're totally a top-line $13 million running back. But like on average, you play like seven games. So mm-hmm. it's 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 a hard decision to make right now if you're the Vikings and I think Dalvin Cook if if I'm him I probably take the money too um, because if you blow your knee out and you pass up like nine million dollars a year I don't know now you're Latrell Sprewell yeah <laughs> I mean feel. it's it's not the year to bet on yourself it really isn't unless you were a quarterback and let's like be honest here because I think sometimes we get so caught up in well. They're making the offense about Dalvin Cook. We know that they want to run the ball. I hear like national talking heads, um, you know, constantly bring this up on on shows and just be like, "Well, they they run Dalvin Cook a lot. Like he is the offense." Yes, I'm. Yes, that's true. Twenty twenty though. Like, <laughs> I don't. I don't know if Christian McCaffrey should have gotten paid sixteen million a year because it's, it's an it's a it's like a it's the used car, it's the car argument. You drive the car off the lot, it loses its, half its value immediately, right? Yeah. A brand new car. And like running backs, the second you draft them is already like when you're thinking about like replacing them. I don't think you can replace Dalvin Cook that easily, but I'm also trying to be a realist here and realize this is a quarterback league and you're going to have to make the argument that you shouldn't pay your quarterbacks or like that your running back should be somehow in that same ballpark just doesn't, it's just not logical. Like, you know what I mean? That's just not logical. The the McCaffrey thing, the McCaffrey thing real quick, just because you touched on that. So you've nailed it. The reason why he got fifteen or sixteen million dollars a year is because he touched. He the, the it's because he like, touched the ball four hundred times. But also, the fact that he touched the ball four hundred times is the reason why he will be out for five games or more with a knee injury yes. this year. So. And, and, that, and that pace is not sustainable. Like Matt Rule has talked about that. That's like stupidity to run your back that much and to use him that much. They didn't have a choice last year because they didn't have a damn quarterback. So I mean, what the, <laughs> what the hell do you want them to do? And, like I get like I feel like I'm like a crazy person sometimes when I talk about this argument because I'm like, you don't want that. I mean, yes, he was paid 
like he and he deserved that because of those touches, but you just don't want that. That's that that's asking for trouble. That's asking for your back to have a shortened career. Yes. Um. So if you run Dalvin Cook with 350 touches this year, you know you're you're also kind of looking at it in a way where you're saying like we you know, we know that his career could be shortened because of how much we're using him, but we have to use him because we need him in order to take the pressure off of Kirk, um, who is being paid a ton of money and just got this massive extension. Um, but Dalvin still is the face of this franchise. So there's all these incorpor- encompassing things, but you can't argue. Like, there's so many resources tied up in Kirk. That is that is not changing. That is what it is. But that does not mean that that has to, like, that, that, it's, I'm going crazy right now. Um, <laughs> you can't. You can't tie up those same level of resources in a running back in 2020. It just won't happen. And I know that there's the argument that Adrian Peterson got the deal in 2011. Um, you know, it was an insane deal. And, you know, the Vikings have made this thing happen before. Let me tell you a few things. That was the last CBA. CBA doesn't exist like that anymore. Different CBA. That contract had to be restructured once, nearly twice, mm-hmm. because of the value of it. Adrian Peterson's also a future Hall of Famer. A lot of things here that you can certainly say, well, they did this before. They could do it with Dalvin Cook, but also look at the facts. So, I mean, I I hope for Dalvin's sake, just as somebody who has, like, watched this team and covered this team and, and realizes, like, just the, the amount of crap the running backs have to go through um, and just the value of the position now, I hope that he ends up getting it, like, you know, coming – to an agreement with the Vikings where he gets paid and gets life-changing money because I just don't think this is the year with the pandemic and no guarantee that we're going to get through a 16-game season um, not to bet on yourself, especially at that position, especially what's coming up in 2021 with a free agent running back class. Like, I hope he gets paid. Um, I just hope that he's smart about it and, and does it soon because every time you go out there in the practice field, you risk another injury. And, and, I, would, and that's fact. I wouldn't pay him. Now, now the, the thing to go back um, to the AP contract, too, is – that contract at that time was a mistake. It was too much. And, and the Vikings, in that sense, uh, Brzezinski, their cap guy, is not a dumb guy. And I think that there was a lesson learned. Now, the interesting thing, though, the running back position is one of the few that I think that we can say in sports, the goal is to use the player up as much as you possibly can as quickly as possible. And, and that's why you pay him early and cut him. Um, Kirk is paid too much, but the position is paid correctly. Like we can, we can debate Kirk, but you're going to pay or you should pay your QB. You're running back. You shouldn't. So I really think that Dalvin's a really good player. I don't know. He might be a good guy, but as far as the decision to pay him, I think the path the Vikings are going down to Phil's point is exactly right. And look, I, I saw a story yesterday that the Carolina Panthers are considering for 2020 using Christian McCaffrey on punt returns. Okay. They are literally going to burn their money for it. Yeah, they're, exactly. They're, they're going to end his career in about three years. He, he is he is a multiv cocktail. He is. You are literally lighting the fuse on his career and throwing him at a door, and he's going to blow up, and that's it. And, <laughs> and that's the position. That's just the position. It, it's a weird yeah. position. Um, and it's, just, it's not going to change. Like I know some people like to think, oh, this like it's the year of the running back, which twenty twenty one could very well be because we'll see a bunch of movement. Um, the way that they're used in offenses and, and, you know, now with Dalvin cook saying he wants to catch about 60 balls potentially <laughs> this year, like, okay. you know, they're going to have to, I mean, realistically, like they kind of have to use them in that sense because there's no digs. This receiving core is not proven yet outside of Thielen. Um, and it makes sense to use the running back that dynamic in the passing game. Like he can do a lot of damage, but you know, you also, it's just, it's this double-edged sword. Like, 
you want to use them, but you also want to protect them. But like, there's no way to kind of do both. I don't think there, there's not. Um, who, who has in this first week of camp that you've seen practices, Courtney Cronin, who has emerged probably, um, you know, a, a few backups have gotten opportunities. Who have you seen who has, uh, who has flashed who we might not be talking about? Hmm. Well, we haven't talked about BC Johnson all that much. I mean, they've been running a lot of, you know, their typical stuff, like 12 personnel. They run a lot of two wide receiver sets. I think they used more two wide receiver sets than most of the NFL last year. Um, So a lot of times the ones it will be Thielen and Johnson, and and he looks good. Like, I mean, you know, the fact that he could potentially be, like, competing for that number two job and wherever they want to put Jefferson, I mean, that puts them in a very good spot in terms of wide receiver depth and, you know, I, it's like figuring out what's who's going to be the number four. Because to me, right now, it's Steelen, Jefferson, Johnson. Probably can switch Johnson. Is it going to be Sharp? Is it going to be BB? Like, what what do they want out of that fourth wide receiver spot? Do they keep a fifth? Is it going to be going to someone like um, you know KJ Osborne because of you know punt return and, and kickoff return abilities? I mean, who knows? But I'd say Johnson. I mean, he looks good, and I thought he looked great last year. And like he, you know, he set himself apart from all the rookies last year because he you know, knew how to, you know, he knew how to line up correctly. Honestly, some of the simple things that you think kind of funny, just like be in the right spot, do the right thing. Um, he, he, the rookie class last year was so far behind where, where these guys are. And I mean, Jefferson, just to that point, looks so much bigger in person than I thought um, he would. I mean, he's a, he's a big slot receiver for sure, but like he just looks bigger. Um, so I've been really impressed with him. I'm trying to think who else. Um I mean, with the defensive line, it's, you know, pretty much they've settled on Jaleel Johnson's going to be a three, uh, which we all knew was going to happen. And Shamar Stefan's going to be the nose. Um, but I'm really curious to see kind of what they do on the other side. Uh, you know, with obviously Daniel Hunter's got a tweak right now and he's out, but Jalen Holmes was a three was a defensive end in college. And they've kind of used this philosophy the last few years in Minnesota um, that, you know, young, and it's kind of like, wait your turn. Like, so young rushers can rush on the inside until it's their turn. So they had him as Sheldon Richardson's understudy at three technique a few years ago. Um, and now he's kicking out to end, which, you know, I'm curious to see how that one transpires because they don't have a lot of like rotational edge rusher depth right now. So that could be a really good spot for him. Yeah. That's, I mean, you think about last year when, you have seven or eight sacks coming from your rotational guy in Odenabo. Yep. I mean, depth matters so much. And I just had like this this flash in my brain of, well, Daniil Hunter is currently sitting out practices because he's got a tweak right now. Like, it's not that unrealistic to say that Daniil Hunter might suffer an injury and have to miss three or four games. And then who gets to the quarterback right now for the Vikings? Yeah, that's a terrible, that's a terrible thought because that like makes you think like, you're right. Like, you know, if he's out, your defensive line is, is really in trouble. And that's, you know, something that I think that they're kind of prepared for. Um, you have to be, which is why they're like using some different guys at the edge position. Um, Cause they just don't have a lot of proof outside of Daniil. It's like, they don't have a lot of proven depth or a lot, a lot of proven guys on there. And then you don't have that proven depth either. So you're trying to figure out like two things at once. Um, and that's why I think just like speaking to like, the nose tackle three technique thing. Like that's why Dre cross trains those guys to prepare for injuries and Kate, cause they both have to learn those two interior positions. If they want to play um, and be versed in both of them. And that's, you know, I think you could probably do that with your ends too, but it is a really scary predicament to think about if Daniel's not playing, like 
who do you have? Because Odenabo's good and everything, but like this is going to be his first year as a starter. Um, he has a high ceiling, but we just don't know. Like you know, it's kind of like when Everson like started playing. God knows how many years ago. I mean, he went from a rotational role to be a starter, and it's like that stuff takes time. So uh, if you don't have your sure thing at left defensive end, that's that's a scary yeah. spot. So we, I know we have a few minutes left until you have to go jump into uh, Zoom interviewville here. But Kirk yeah, Cousins, right. Kirk Cousins on a Zoom interview. So he he talked about a lot of things this week, and one of them was he's like, I'm not Michael Vick, and I get that, but I'd like to use my legs more as a playmaker. To which Judd and I yeah. were both kind of like, listen, if you want to script some more bootlegs and stuff, and like control the environment, all for that. I just like every time Kirk gets flushed from the pocket, he doesn't go into like Russell Wilson is excited to flush from the pocket because he knows he's about to make a big play. Kirk looks sure. like he's running from a shark. So I just want to know what what did he mean by that, and and to what extent will Kirk use his legs more in 2020? Well, I th- he says it every year that he wants to scramble more. He wants to you know if plays break down, he wants to be able to you know, do more things with his feet to be able to kind of like compensate for that. I mean, he talked about it at the beginning of the off season uh, or preseason that like, you know, that's one thing he pulled from the San Francisco game that he wants to be able to, the run game's not working. If they can't get that going to set up other things, to set up play action opportunities, he wants to be able to take off um, and, and kind of be a little bit more creative and be somebody who can actually like spark the next play, not have to have it set up for him. Um, and, I think that's what I got from that. I mean, but every single year he talks about wanting to use his legs more. And like his coaches a few years ago told him like, yeah, we want you to scramble for a first down every game. Hmm. Um, I, I mean that we've seen him do it. And sometimes it's kind of scary watching him do that. I mean, <laughs> he, you know, he's not Michael Vick. That's correct. But like, I mean, he's, you know, he's good enough at it when he needs to be. It's just like in, making this like a, a conscious thing to like incorporate into his game and make him more of a running quarterback is never going to happen. Not at this stage of his career. Um, so, I mean, I, I think it's, you know, it's, he does have athleticism. There is that. It's just like, you know, he, he said, he's like, you can't go look for it. If you go look to run the ball, then you're going to miss open receivers and you can't guess. So you truly have to train that instinct that when the play breaks down, take off and run and find that balance of, remaining a passer and becoming a runner is a very fine line. And that's what I'm working on at camp. So of course, like I understand that, like that makes sense, but like to insinuate in any way, shape or form that he's trying to become like more of a like running quarterback is just not the case. It's just, you know, if a play breaks down, don't break down with it. That's what he's getting at. But you know what? I, and I contended that the, the Vikings didn't talk about this Courtney last year, but my contention from what we saw though, was that they definitely told him stop, drop and roll. And I think the fight, I think the fire code for Kirk is smart. See, it's not that Kirk, it's not that Kirk doesn't have athletic ability because clearly he does. But what he lacks and what scares you and why I don't want him to try and run unscripted is he lacks an awareness of the field at times. And that's when you drop the ball down. It's the play against the Packers where he took off in Green Bay and he had a nice little run going and he got hit and he fumbled. The awareness was not there. So so my contention with Kirk is, dude, I understand you can run, but your inability to protect the ball at times scares me. And that's why I'd much prefer if things break down and it's not his fault all the time. That he takes the ball, cradles it like a baby, hugs it, and if he wants to cry, he can cry, and he falls down. Because then he's not going to fumble. And the guy that we saw last year, I think, was eventually told, eat the football at times, and it actually sort of worked. 
Yeah, no, it's not, it's not. It's a good way to look at it, Judd. Where it's like, just don't give up the football. Like, we're not asking you to be a not asking you to be to be a hero and go scramble for a first down um, on this play if it's you know like third and two. Like, okay, maybe in that circumstance, but like on a regular basis, like just take the loss of yardage, but protect the football. They would much rather have yes. to punt than have to like you know, send their defense out right then and there to, to stop, you know, the other team from scoring because he just turned it over. I mean, those turnovers are critical. And if he can cut down on those, which we saw, I mean, like, I think he's improved with that. And it's just like the ball security of not like necessarily interceptions, things like that, but just like the mental awareness of like, where am I dropping back in the pocket? What's my yardage? What's my depth? Um, where's my launch point on this? Like making sure you can sense the pressure coming from the interior of the line, the, you know, the outside part, the edge rushers, He's getting better at all of that, like, but it's just now don't throw too much more in there. Like if you're he is athletic. He's Matt Ryan out there. I think those two are very, very similar in just the way that they handle pressure in the pocket, but also the athletic ability. Um, so if a play breaks down, don't make it worse by turning the ball over, just kind of, you know, eat it in that moment and then move on to the next play. So the other thing that, that sort of piqued my interest, he was talking about, and he just turned 32 years old a couple days ago, Mm -hmm. happy birthday, Kirk Cousins, 32 years old. And, and he talked about setting himself up mentally, physically to play a long career. Now, does that mean he's going to play into his mid forties? Like Tom Brady remains to be seen, but he has, he has, he's not the type of guy that's just like looking to retire when he's 35. He insinuated that he wants to play perhaps into his 40s if, if he can keep playing at a high level. Do you think, Courtney, maybe this is a loaded question for a, a different episode and we can flush it out more, but do you think the Vikings envision Kirk Cousins as a starting quarterback throughout his entire decade of 30s? Probably, because why else would you have given him that extension? Like, he really didn't feel that way. And I know that they wanted to get Anthony Harris and they wanted to keep him. That's great. They needed to lower Kirk's cap number. But, like, truly, you didn't really – if you really didn't believe in Kirk, you would have made this a year where it's like, go ahead and bet on yourself. If you're great, we'll re- we'll try to resign you. If we can't, then we're going to just move on and do something else. So I think that, in theory, yeah, they absolutely believe that. But also beyond that, it's like, you know – is he your franchise? They won't know if he's their franchise quarterback until, you know, a few years from now, like a year or two from now to know how he does this year. And and really and truly in 2021, when this team is actually set up to win pretty big that year, just with the expectations, then I think they'll know. But I mean, a lot of things go into that. He's never really been hurt. He has not missed time. So it's not like he has like injuries on, you know, on his body that like, you know, Oh, that's going to, that's going to, potentially like hurt the number of years that he plays um, or, or decrease that. I mean, he's been a consistent, consistently who he is throughout his entire career. So can that stay the same? Can you survive with that level of Kirk Cousins play and Kirk Cousins consistency till you're 40? Probably because there are only so few that are in that top five where the Aaron Rodgers, the Russell Wilson's, Tom Brady's, Drew Brees, those type of guys, Patrick Mahomes that, you know, the rest of the guys like from like, you know, five to 15, those guys are, can have long careers in the NFL because they are who they are and they don't change that much. Yep. If that makes sense. There she is. Senior pool reporter for Vikings training camp. Courtney R. Cronin from ESPN. The only pool reporter, really. Well, thanks Hope for it doesn't scare her. <laughs> <laughs> Go in with the hazmat suit. Just be, be careful. All right. Thanks, thanks for Courtney. hanging out with us. We'll see you next week, Courtney.
Thanks, guys. And that's a wrap on this episode of Purple Daily. You can uh, click that subscribe button on the YouTube page. And thanks to, we had like 30 new subscribers yesterday. People finally checking out training camp material. So thank you to everyone. And uh, we'll see you next time on Purple Daily.